This is If I Go Missing, a podcast where we tell the stories of those who have gone missing so that they aren't forgotten. And maybe, just maybe, we can help bring them the justice they deserve. I am your host, Megan. And I'm your co-host, Lynn. Are you ready to dive into another story? Always. Let's do it. Let's go. This week, we are going to tell you the story of Madeline McCann, the little girl that went missing in Pride to Lose back in 2007. This episode is releasing just a mere three days after what would mark the 13th year of her disappearance. While no new leads have surfaced, this is more of an episode done in her memory. This is the Madeline McCann story. Pride to Lose is what some may call a quiet, personable resort town on the coastline of Portugal. On the evening of May 3rd, 2007, it was also the site of one of the most infamous child abductions. It was here little Madeline was on vacation with her family when she went missing, and she has never been found to this day. Madeline's case sparked one of the world's largest searches in hopes of finding the little girl. The McCanns planned to stay in Portugal for seven full nights. They were staying at the Ocean Club and were with several other families. The other families included Fiona and Dave Payne, Fiona's mother and their two children, Jane Tanner and Russell O'Brien and their two children, along with Matthew and Rachel Oldfield and their daughter. Each family had their own little apartment block at the Ocean Club. Each night when the children went to sleep, around 8.30, the adults would all meet over at the Tapas restaurant and get dinner. The Tapas was chosen for a reason. From the Tapas, they could have a nice view of the pool and also of their apartment blocks. Something that I find interesting is that the Ocean Club actually offered a babysitting service, but none of these families took advantage of it because they had their own system. This system was that everyone would leave their children asleep in the apartments with the front doors unlocked so that every 30 minutes or so, one of the adults could go check and make sure that all of the children were still asleep. Their system worked really well too until the night of May 3rd. Around 10 p.m., it was Kate's turn to check on the children. This is when she finds her three-year-old daughter, Madeline, missing. Kate is said to have ran back to the tapas, screaming, Madeline's gone, Madeline's gone. The group immediately began to alert the hotel staff and get a search going, thinking Madeline may have just woken up and wandered off. By 11 p.m., police were on the scene. The first officers on the scene were what Portugal calls GNR officers. They deal with general traffic work and by no means are detectives. They tell police that the first welfare check on the children was done at 9 p.m. by one of the friends traveling with them. Then, they tell officers that Kate took her turn around 10 p.m. and notices that the children's door was further open than before. The window was open, the blinds were pulled back, she looks and sees her twins lying there in the bed as she looks over to Madeline's bed and sees that she's gone. She saw that Madeline had even left behind her cuddle cap, her cherished toy that she took with her everywhere. This is when she runs back to the group telling them Madeline's gone. The PJ or detectives were called in on the morning of May 4th. Once the GNR officers realized that this is more than just a little girl who wandered off, that she could actually be in real danger, they called in the big guns. Emerald was the lead detective on Madeline's case, and he starts by talking to those who traveled with McCann's. This is where they learn a disturbing new clue. One of the women traveling with the family Jane Tanner says that the night Madeline went missing around 9.15 or 9.20 p.m., she went to take a look at her own children. It was then that she saw a man carrying a small child walking away from the apartment. The girl had on pink 
PJs and little frills by the feet, just like what Madeline had been wearing. And she also noted that the child looked to be about three or four years old. The man did not look like a tourist and he was wearing a coat and pants. Portuguese police bring in their crime scene team and go over the McCann's apartment. They find that the only fingerprints on the children's window were those of Kate McCann's and also that the window was barely opened compared to Kate's description of the scene when she notices Madeline missing. Investigators also note that there did not seem to be any signs of a forced entry either, but then again, the front door had been unlocked. Searches ensued for Madeline immediately. The Portuguese police were going house to house, knocking on door after door, and a downright manhunt was taking place in this resort town on the coast of Portugal. Police even questioned people who lived in the neighborhood and checked security cameras. 24 hours passed without a single sign or shred of evidence. Another issue that came up, along with the language barrier, is that the McCanns thought the Portuguese weren't taking the case seriously enough. The Portuguese were not telling the family anything or indicating if they had made any type of progress. This is where knowing the laws of the land matter, especially when traveling to a foreign country because what the McCanns saw as the Portuguese police just brushing off their daughter's case was really standard police protocol. For Portuguese police, it is their law that when an investigation is going on, the PJ will say absolutely nothing. They don't do this to be difficult or rude. They just do it simply because it's their country's law and every country is different. The only time the PJ will release details is generally when a case goes to court. Around this time in investigation, a local man of British Portuguese descent comes forth saying, you know, I speak both languages fluently and offers to be somewhat of a translator for police in the McCanns. Born in West London, this man was actually living in a home his mother owns in Portugal. It is only about 150 yards from where the McCanns were staying. One journalist who was around the investigation a lot says he spoke with this man whose name was Robert a few times as they were both around the case and he mentioned that Robert seemed to always be there and that he was very, very nice, almost too nice. But no one really thinks anything of Robert at the time. Meanwhile, the PJs are having issues of their own. They are not used to working under media pressure because of reasons like I mentioned, Madeline's case was very different for them. With this case, the world took notice, but it would actually lead to some decent tips. One tip came from the night of Madeline's disappearance. The tipster said that they didn't think about it really at first, but in hindsight, it seemed kind of alarming. A man and his family were leaving a restaurant that night when they saw a white man carrying a little girl in what looked like pink pajamas in his arms, and this was about the time Kate discovered Madeline missing. They also added that the man who was carrying the child seemed very awkward, as if he was not used to carrying children. Now, along with Jane Tanner's story, this will be two matching leads from that one night. One day, police receive an interesting tip. A woman calls in and tells them that they need to take a deep look into Robert Murat. This is the man who came up and said, you know, I speak both English and Portuguese. Let me be your translator and help out with the case. Yeah. Her reasoning for telling them to look into Robert is that he might not be quite the helpful interpreter that he claimed to be. Robert had begun to pique the interest of journalists working the case because he would come up to them and ask impertinent questions and he would go on to talk about how he was getting a divorce and had a little girl as well. Police decided to get Jane Tanner to try and see if she would ID him as the man she saw carrying the child. 
PJs take Jane and sit her in an unmarked van while Robert is walking across the street. And it's at this moment, Jane Tanner positively IDs him as being the man she saw carrying the child at the apartment block that night. Robert Murat was now the first official suspect. 7 a.m. the next morning, investigators seal off his home and search it thoroughly while at the same time, he is at the police station undergoing a 19-hour interrogation process. Eventually, after all this, they find that they don't have anything to tie him to Madeline, so they have to let him go. But he still will remain a suspect. He is eventually cleared, but soon tips start pouring in that Madeline had been sighted in Morocco. This lead had promise, though. Morocco is said to be easily accessible and close within driving range to where they were staying in Portugal. And, to top that off, it would be easy to kidnap a child here and sell them on the market in Morocco. However, there are doubts that this would have happened because some believe that she may have stood out too much. The lead ends up going cold, as would many more leads that the police would chase down. The PJ then return to their evidence and give it another look. They realize the only, quote, evidence they have of an actual kidnapping is that sight from Jane Tanner and the window ajar slightly from Kate's story. So, all in all, they really had no substantial evidence of a kidnapping. Police were now forced to re-examine. What do you think? You think she just walked out on her own? What else could be thought other than somebody came and took that child? The parents. Yeah, that entered my mind a little bit, but dad's still sitting there with all these people. I don't know. Yeah, because mom's, mom's story had a question or two in it. When I first heard this case, I immediately thought the parents did it. And honestly, up until I researched this case for the show, I thought they did it. Yeah. But after doing the extensive research, I kind of have come to the conclusion that they didn't do it. And they kind of went through hell and back with people thinking that they did do it. Yeah. So the question now turns to, was Madeline alive or dead before she left that apartment flat? On British police advice, the Portuguese asked top dog handler Martin Grime to bring in his Springer Spaniels, Eddie and Keela, to pry to lose. Eddie is trained to detect the scent of human corpses, and Keela is a bloodhound. Eddie has never given a false alert in over 200 previous outings. Once on the ground in Portugal, the dogs were taken to apartment 5A where the McCann family had been staying. Eddie the cadaver dog smelled corpse odor in the wardrobe in Kate and Jerry's room and the sofa when first getting into the apartment. Keela the blood dog, who was trained to only alert when she smelled human blood, was then brought in separately to sniff out apartment 5A. Keela too stopped dead at the same sofa where Eddie had alerted and indicated to her handler that she could smell blood. Both dogs had marked the exact same spot. Days later, both dogs were brought to an underground car park where a number of vehicles had been placed by police. The Spaniels both alerted their handler when they were brought to a silver Renault Scenic, the same car Kate and Jerry had hired on holiday. The dogs indicated that they signaled human blood and corpse odor inside a boot and on the outside of the driver's door. Eddie also alerted to Cuddle Cat, the stuffed animal beloved by Madeline that Kate took everywhere after the little girl went missing, and Keela signaled blood on some of Kate's clothes. This was all then forensically examined. Both parents were named as suspects a few days after the dogs were brought in. Portuguese police were now heavily focusing on the McCanns, 
And when PJs think back to the McCann's behavior in those early days, they remember something that strikes them as odd. Kate McCann, upon finding Madeline, had run back to the restaurant screaming, they've taken her, they've taken Madeline. And it makes them wonder why they. Normally, people would just say someone. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing, actually. So, who would Kate McCann have meant by they? Yeah. Kate says she thought it was a kidnapper that took Madeline, yet she leaves her two twins asleep in their cribs while running back to the restaurant to get her husband. If someone had just kidnapped one of your children, who's to say they won't come back for the other two? So, why on earth would you leave them again? I don't know, because you could have heard me screaming. You'd have heard me in Georgia, America, Georgia, if I walked in the room and my child was missing. I don't care where I was at in the world. You'd have heard me screaming. It'd have been the scream heard around the world. The windows in the room were also open, but the only print they got from the window was the one belonging to Kate McCann. At first, it was thought that the prints could have been from, you know, like a previous day or something. Yeah, it makes sense. But then police learned that the McCann's apartment had actually been cleaned that very same day. But now when they clean, I mean, do they clean the windows every time? You know, I don't know. Yeah, that would be odd to me because like when you stay in a hotel, and I mean, I've never stayed in this situation, but like a hotel, they don't clean your windows every time. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know to what extent this place, quote, mm-hmm. cleaned. Right. But it did kind of spark an interest for the PJs into the McCann. Yeah. It made them a very new and exciting lead. Makes sense, though. In this case, it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I guess they're not really sitting there thinking, how well did they clean that apartment? Yeah. But more so, like, we got them. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, you would think if you're sitting back here, 2020, hindsight is, well, they're going to vacuum, maybe. They're going to make up the beds, put in fresh toilet paper, fresh towels, you know. Mm-hmm. But that's really it until you leave. Then they're going to spit shine the whole place for the next people coming yeah. in. But you don't think about that when you're looking for murder or kidnapping yeah. leads. Another thing police also noted while looking back on that night was how interesting it was that the twins who shared a room with their older sister slept through the entire alleged abduction. Then, as if it was not curious enough that they slept through that, police noted that the twins were still asleep when they got to the apartment to investigate. At this time, the apartment was chaotic, and you know, you would expect these two little babies to be screaming and crying, yet they're still fast asleep, not knowing anything else going on in the world. Yeah, it's a little odd. I mean, it really is. The only thing you could think, if you want to go with the abduction theory, is whoever came in and took the child, the the twins did not fit what they were taking them for. Maybe, but why did they stay asleep? I don't go in there very, very quietly. I don't know. I mean, but I even know, that, when the police came in and the, the apartment's yeah. in a complete frenzy afterwards. They should have woken up then, for sure. Yeah. And that's yeah. what's very, very interesting to police. Yeah. Now, unless, I mean, I know parents, for whatever reason, they would give them, like, some Benadryl to help them rest. You know, you're not in your home, in your bed. These things, you know, come to mind. hmm Yes, it does. So, the lead detective remembered from statements from people traveling with the McCanns and, I guess, even the McCanns themselves, that the children hadn't been sleeping well. Mm-hmm. And he thinks that a British medication by the name of Calpol was used to help the children sleep for several hours, regardless of the noise in the apartment. Madeline's own grandfather even says that the children have been given this in the past to help them sleep. Knowing this, the lead detective then formed a new theory. He thinks there was an accidental overdose. 
He thinks that Madeline woke up, heard someone talking with her father outside, so she walked into the living room by the sofa. He thinks she then climbed up onto the sofa to get a better look, but became dizzy from all of the medication dosed to her to make her sleep better. After this, he goes on to explain that he thinks Madeline fell off the sofa and hit her head. This would explain why Keela, the blood dog, got blood in that area because if she fell off and hit her head, it would bleed. Makes sense because it doesn't have to be copious amounts of blood. Mm-hmm. Just blood. That's what they find. The lead detective even goes on to say that Jerry walks in after hearing Madeline fall, sees his daughter's body, and moves her to the car until they can dispose of her later. Then after thinking that Jerry puts Madeline's body in the back of the car to, quote, dispose of her later... They also link that to the fact that that's why the dogs alerted to the back of the car when they were doing the search. Makes sense. The police also chalk up Kate's actions at the restaurant that night as nothing more than an act. That August, the McCanns are taken downtown for questioning. Kate was questioned for 11 hours, basically to the point where her own lawyers said to stop answering questions, making Kate look even more suspicious. Yeah. Number one, 11 hours, you're going to be exhausted. Number two... You're upset about your child anyway. You're already Number mentally three, worn down. Yeah. 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 Doubt you've been doing a whole lot of sleeping since all this happened. And number three is just the way they ask questions are very, very leading. Mm-hmm. You learn this in childcare how to ask questions so you're not leading the child to answers that may or may not be correct. But that's the opposite of what detectives do. Yeah. They want to lead you to their answer. So, yeah, of course she's going to do some and say some things and do some things that make her, well, mommy, you're starting to look real suspicious now. Yeah, I mean, you know. she's emotionally, physically, mentally worn down. <laughs> exactly. She's still got two children at home she's got to keep up with and take care of. And Yeah. Yeah. It's it. I can imagine that she was some kind of, just mentally not even there. No. So then Jerry was actually questioned, and his reasoning for the dogs alerting to the back of the car was that they had bought meat at the supermarket, and it leaks sometimes. But if you go back to the blood dog, Keela, she was trying to sniff out only human blood. Human blood would not leak from meat bought at a supermarket. That, yeah, that makes it a little, but you make it up a story for. Yeah. Because you, you know what Keela's going to do. Mm-hmm. And these animals are brilliant. They're so stinking smart. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's kind of a, hmm. So, those who were actually close to the case, you know, like law enforcement, journalists, they all felt something was just not right. One thing I heard in the Netflix documentary on Madeline's case was that it had to have been planned. So, think about it. Someone just happens to know all of these children are alone at night. Then, two of the children stay asleep through the alleged kidnapping of their older sibling, while their older sibling, too, had to have remained asleep during her abduction to not, you know, flail about mm-hmm. and scream and alert people. Yeah, definitely. And now with Madeline in his arms, the abductor not knowing when the next safety check would come from the group of adults, mm-hmm. makes his way across a well-lit street. Yeah, that, that's a little... I mean, you... all right, if the parents are guilty, they've got to give him all the details. When it's mom's turn, you know? Did, did they know? Was it planned out when they were having their little dinner? Mm-hmm. Uh, like a schedule of who's going next? Yeah. So that, that, that takes a lot of planning. It does. To I mean, know everything. You would think that who goes next is just kind of like, I'll go this time. You guys went last yeah, time. We'll get exactly. it. You know, it's not like, yeah. all right, it's Kate's turn. It is yeah. 9.30 on the dot, 10 o'clock. Clock Kate, Kate has to go yeah. now. You know, it's more like, 
I'll go this time. You know, you guys went and checked on everybody exactly. last time. We'll just go down the line of the table this time, you know? That's exactly how I would see. I mean, you're on vacation. And I can see an itinerary of activities. But for Pete's sake, that's just taking planning way too far. Yeah, I mean, I'm OCD is the best of them. <laughs> and I like to plan things down to a T. I can't stand going on a trip and not knowing what activities yeah. I'm going to do on which day. But right. <laughs> I don't plan on when to get up from the table next. Exactly. I'm going to take four bites of my steak. And then as I'm chewing that fourth one, I'm going to go check on the kids. Yeah. No. But then the next time I'm going to do it when I take my fifth bite. Yeah. Come on, people. That, that's, um, <laughs> that's very planned to a T. Yeah, that, that's, that's even over my OCD. <laughs> But you see why, looking at this from the outside, these people look really guilty. Yeah, I mean, they had a lot of... Um, I think it was just yeah. a lot of lapses in judgment that yeah. looked really bad from the outside of you. Well, you don't, you don't think of these things. No, I mean, normal people don't think like criminals would. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think if I walked in there and I saw my child was missing and my other two were laying there sound asleep, you know... I'm assuming the abductor is gone because the room is empty. Maybe I would run back screaming, you know, Madeline's gone, Madeline's gone. And they go, oh my God, my other two kids and run back. Yeah, I mean, I, you don't know yeah. how you would react. You don't know what your mind, your brain, everything's going to react to, how it's going to react until it's put in that situation. Yeah, I mean, you're going to go into fight or flight mode. Do you fly yeah. out and get help yeah. or do you stay back and fight in case they come back? I would think you would almost want to run out and get help. That way you can, therefore, cover the other two later on. I don't know that I would think they would come back. I you think it would be saying? stupid if they did. Yeah, I mean, I don't even think that would enter my mind that, oh, my God, they could come back and get the other two. You know, it would be more of they are gone with her, so they're gone. Gio, when he yeah, gone. Yeah, I mean, because you wouldn't think they would come back. That would just be... Yeah, that would just be brazen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would yeah. be... That would be something else. Yeah. How many times can I go back in here and get a kid each time? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be some sicko to think of that kind of a game. So all while carrying this child in plain sight, the only sightings we have are two very vague sightings of a man carrying a child. This would be a very well-planned incident. Someone was either giving windows of opportunity straight to the perpetrator or even more chilling Someone had been watching and stalking them, learning their movements to plan this crime. Or, the worst situation of all, no one ever took Madeline and it's an inside job. Those are the three theories that we're left with at this point. Well, they all make your skin crawl. They do, don't they? Like, I think I just I mean, got full body. I literally got full body chill. I mean, um, seriously, you just, somebody stalking you to see when to take your child? No, there's the chills again. Oh, it's, cre it's creepy. It's like, okay, this little joker's face to get duct taped to me everywhere we go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're just going to duct tape him to us, and that's that. But then it's also, like, you think you have this perfect system in place. Mm -hmm. There are flaws in your system. Minute mm -hmm. flaws. Yeah. You, you planned out that system so well that it works every night, but there are flaws. There are gaps of time. Mm -hmm. And you're not always looking out at the doors. You're not always looking out at the apartment. You turn your head for a split second. Mm -hmm. They've been stalking you. They know your moves. Mm -hmm. They're in and out. Well, I mean, it's like I told you about my friend whose friend literally was trying to get gum off her kid's shoe, cleaned the shoe, turned around to wash her hands. Yeah, she put the shoe back on the child, turned around to wash her hands in the bathroom, and her child was gone. Mm -hmm. That quick. Her child was standing literally beside her leg. Yeah. And when they found her child, praise God, only because they went to mama's window. They had already dyed her hair, given her drugs to knock her out. 
Mm-hmm. And she was up on a man's shoulder being carried out of the place they were at. Within maybe an hour? Or less. Or less. Yeah. I mean, they had already, I mean, dyed her hair. That was so insane. Oh, my God. And if it had been any other exit of that theme park than where mom was standing and knew about that gum, the child would be gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, these, these people know what they're doing. They do. And, I mean, I don't know, Mr. Sweet and Innocent that just wants to help the family out. Maybe that's really the guy. He's really just a nice guy. He knows they don't understand the language. But boy, is he convenient. Yeah. He's just a little too convenient. Well, yeah, boy, is it convenient that you can relay what I'm saying to them and vice versa, but neither one of us knows what you're telling the other Thank party. Thank you. That was the other thing I was thinking a while ago is, you know, what is he telling these people? Mm-hmm. Because they're going to get upset. You're going to be upset. So what is he telling them? And what's he telling the cops that they said? Exactly. Oh, man. But then at the same time, it's all you have. How horrible. With these three theories in mind, the McCanns were left to wonder, you know, are we even safe to stay in Portugal? Or are they going to come arrest us at any moment? I mean, you got to think they still have two little ones to watch out for at this point in time. They're not just the parents of a missing child. They still have two in their care. So they have that to worry about, too. When Madeline first went missing, Kate Flatt said, I'm not leaving Portugal until I find my daughter. Totally. But now, what do they do? Do they stay and keep pushing the investigation and risk being the guilty party to police? Or do they go home and continue their efforts? How do I continue my efforts from another country? I don't know. How do I continue? How do I stay in this country when I have children? I have a job I have to get back to. I mean, he was a doctor. But I mean, he has patients he's responsible for. I mean, this is so horrible. Because... It's like, really, lady? You're going to worry about your practice? No, but that's the only way I can get my child back is by making money to get my child back. Yeah. It, and wow, what a vicious cycle. On top of that, too, it's like, do I risk staying in Portugal and them arresting me as a suspect yeah. in a crime I didn't commit? I am stuck in jail. I can't help my child at all. And what about my other two? Dear Lord, have mercy. I don't know. I felt really bad after researching this because for so long, I... Literally yeah. swore up and down they did it. Well, come on. I mean, the parents, they leave the front door ajar with their children and they're sleeping. Mm-hmm. That's irresponsible as crap. But then you go, oh, my God, no. Was it planned? I mean, all that goes through everybody's head. Yeah. But then once you start digging and looking at different sides mm-hmm. of the case, you go, oh, my God, maybe it was planned so well for them to be able to right. have this little time at night that it was also planned so well for uh-huh. somebody else to sneak in. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, if somebody's watching you, they're not going to do it the first night. They're, they're going to give the it a week. Night. They're going to give it time. And a lot of times these people even are people associated with the hotel or whatever. And they know, well, they're not leaving for a week. They're not leaving for two weeks. I've got time. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's just, uh, oh, the scenarios. Mm-hmm. Eventually, the McCanns came to the decision to go home. The family left Portugal with two of their three children in tow. Dear Lord. Portuguese police said... You know, we're not done with our investigation. They still need the family and prior to lose, but the family just left. And, you know, to law enforcement, it left them wondering why would they do this? Upon their return to England, authorities received a call from a critical witness. A man named Martin Smith, the Irish tourist who was the other person claiming to see a man carrying a child close to the Ocean Club the night Madeline went missing. Martin sees Jerry McCain walking down the steps of the plane when they get back from Portugal because, I mean, as you can imagine, it's a highly televised event. Definitely. 
So he's watching this and he sees Jerry McCann walking down the steps of the plane and recognizes that Jerry's holding one of the twins in the exact same way the man was holding the child that night. Oh my gravy. Yes. In fact, he is so sure, he even tells authorities he is 70% sure it was Jerry McCann that was the man that night he saw carrying the child. This statement ends up supporting the claim by Portuguese police that Madeline was accidentally killed in the apartment and transported by her father to the back of the car they had rented. As far as DNA and physical evidence was ruled inconclusive that she was killed in the apartment and transported to the car. You see, DNA is a funny thing. In some cases, it can be the nail in the coffin. And in others, it can literally be nothing of any help. You see, we leave DNA wherever we go. It's on our clothes. It's in our hair that falls out constantly. And that was the issue. Of course, Madeline's DNA was going to be in that car. She was transported in that car. She rode in that car. Her clothes were in that car. She rode in that car innocently with her family. Of course, Mm -hmm. her DNA was going to be all over it. Makes sense. Then you look at the apartment where she was staying on vacation. Duh, her DNA for sure is going to be all over that place. Mm -hmm. And all forensics really told us was that she was there in those places, facts that we already knew. Yeah. But this began to break holes into the Portuguese police's theory that her parents accidentally killed her. In a strange turn of events, following an interview with the British, the lead detective of Madeline's case gets taken off completely. He was removed as head of the investigation after criticizing British detectives and claiming they were only following leads the McCann's asked them to pursue. He was also the one to name the McCann's as suspect. He himself believes this to actually be a political issue. Okay. So with him gone, the case could go in another direction entirely now. Everyone thought a fresh pair of eyes would be good for the case, and furthermore, this detective was ready to work with the English. The new detective they brought on was Paulo Ribello, and he took a deep dive into the case files, and it was said on the 90 Channel documentary that the more he learned, the more he questioned whether the McCanns should have ever been suspects at all. No explanation was given for the appointment of Ribello, second in charge of the judicial police, but is signal greater determination to resolve the case in the face of the criticism in Britain over a slow progress. Then, just as we seem to be making progress, the Portuguese media say police are closing their investigation into Madeline's disappearance for lack of evidence. It is now June 30th, 2008, and Madeline has been gone for over a year at this point. In good conscience, the Attorney General for Portugal said in an ID Channel documentary that they had no new leads or clues to go on anymore, And he believed they had done all that they could do, so he subsequently closed Madeline's case. Portugal may have given up, but the McCanns had not. With the original investigation being closed, that also meant that all of the original people named as potential suspects were now clear. After this, Madeline's case would not see much progression until her mother, Kate McCann, writes and releases a book entitled Madeline, Our Daughter's Disappearance and the Continuing Search for Her. At the end of the book, Kate urges others to write, asking British politicians to reopen the search for Madeline in an independent investigation. In 2012, Kate's efforts would pay off. Metro Police in the UK immediately find numerous mistakes in the original investigation. The mistakes dated all the way back to the beginning of the case, the night Madeline went missing. One thing British police notice immediately is that by the time the Portuguese PJs got to the crime scene, It was already contaminated by all of these different people that were allowed to come in and out. 
ruining any potential suspect's DNA that could have been in that apartment block. Furthermore, there were even a few suspects that were not even investigated and rendition of eyewitnesses' accounts were never released to the public. Upon poring over the old case files, Metro Police had found up to 38 persons of interest in Madeline's case. Investigators flew to Portugal two or three times to reinvestigate and re-interview people that may have been missed the first time around. They ended up finding a big clue that was overlooked. The restaurant where the McCanns had been eating at had this thing where you could set up block reservations ahead of time. Every night, at the same time, their names appeared on the reservation block. Additionally, by their standing reservations, it is said that they wished to be placed close to the pool so they could keep an eye on their sleeping children. This is placed in the reservation block that's made in the book for God and everyone else to see. Yeah, I'm sitting here red flagging all over the place seeing that. Because it didn't take a rocket scientist to know their every move here. Yeah. You know? Watch them one night, you know their routine, and boom, I got you. Because this is getting repetitive. That's what I said by being planned so closely that it was almost so perfect that you could find holes. Yeah. I mean, if you look at that book, you see their kids are sleeping. They're Mm going to be here every night from this time to this time. And I live this close, whoever I am, and I work here at this place. I see this. It's not like you got to go digging for it. Mm -hmm. That book is out. Yeah. And, yeah, hmm. yeah, this was just a little too well-planned. Yeah. Eyewitness statements are even uncovered, suggesting that the McCanns may have even been being watched. Creepy. One statement came from a girl whose grandmother used to live in apartment 5A where the McCanns stayed. She says she saw a man who was standing in front of apartment 5A, and this man appeared to be staring intently at the apartment. Then other British tourists at the resort stated that they, too, saw several times that week an unidentified man leaning on a fence just gazing at the apartment. The strongest witness statement came from the night of Madeline's disappearance. Carol Tramer was going to get some afternoon tea in the apartment above the McCann's when she saw a man come out of the closed gate and she says he looked very stealthy. The woman continues to say that as soon as she heard that a little girl had been taken from the apartment block, she called police to alert them about what she saw. There were three mugshot sketches made of these men, and it was finally released to the public. But it is unclear if the, quote, watchman, if you will, was only one of these men, or if it was more than one man watching the McCants in an effort not to seem so suspicious. Something else that was noticed by Metro Police in the UK was that burglaries had increased by like fourfold just before the McCann's arrival. Sadly enough, it is a tourist town. And where you have tourist towns, you have robberies. So now we're faced with the question of could it just have been a robbery gone wrong? I don't think so. If it's a robbery gone wrong, you kill the kid that woke up and take off running. Or whatever. You don't take the child that woke up or the child that didn't wake up. You know, Mm -hmm. that's that's got to be a kidnapping. And watching them so closely like that, either you're going to go in and steal everything they have and not even mess with the kids because the kids are dead to the world. They're out. They're 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 medicated. They're out. So, I mean, it was like perfect opportunity to to not do anything, but take all the jewelry they had, all the money they had, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but instead, you don't take any of this stuff except their child. And only no. one of their children when there's three and they're dead asleep. You're watching this child 
and oh, it just rips my heart out because I swear I believe they they took that child for something way more sinister, mm-hmm. and it, it breaks my heart because she. I mean, she's a beautiful blonde-haired little girl, beautiful, such a cute little girl. In fact, that was why I was first drawn to the case. Was I was like, oh my god, this is such a cute little girl. Like, what happened to her? And I started reading and found out somebody took the cute little girl. It's it's just horrible. It is. I mean, it's it's terrible. The Ocean Club staff even gave credence to this thought by recounting just how much that particular crime had increased in the area at the Ocean Club itself. Now, this is still talking about robberies. The staff said that particularly corner apartments and first floor apartments were the ones most frequently hit. Makes sense. The McCann's apartment 5A was both of those. It was a first yeah. floor corner apartment. Yeah, I mean, first floor is easy. You get in, you do what you got to do, and you get out. You don't have to go up and down stairs. You don't have to wait on elevators. You don't have to whatever. And the corner, you don't have to walk past any other doors. Yeah. It's it's a grab and snatch, whatever you're grabbing and snatching. Exactly. And robberies have become a lot more common, especially yeah. for first floor corner apartments. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, you know, you know people are going on vacation, and they have whatever with them. It, it's definitely an open market for thievery. As a matter of fact, though, it was so common that in February of that year, an apartment about 100 yards away had been burglarized, and then three weeks before the McCanns were due to arrive at an apartment in the same block as theirs was burglarized. The club came to find out that it was actually three of their employees that were behind all of the burglaries. That's what you've been saying all along. I know. I mean, it, it, it's got to be somehow working together. Mm-hmm. It's got to be. So, in 2014, investigators actually flew down to Portugal again to interrogate these men. The men were interrogated in front of British and Portuguese officials. The burglary theory soon began to unravel, though, just like many other theories before it. The next move they make is actually one I'm kind of surprised they didn't think of sooner because it makes so much sense. In hopes of finding out whether the two sightings of a man carrying a child across the street on the night of Madeline's disappearance was, in fact, the same man sighted twice or two different people, investigators decided to go to the hotel's nanny service and check their logs. Good idea. The logs from the service cited one father as picking up his child around the same time Jane Tanner saw a man carrying a child across the street while she took her turn to check on the children. Attention then shifts back to the man identified by Martin Smith, the Irish tourist. Martin says this person resembled Jerry McCann. Investigators know that it can't be Jerry because he sees this person around 10 p.m. At 10 p.m. on that night, Jerry was with everyone else trying to figure out what happened to Madeline. Makes sense. Yeah, I mean, he can't be in two places at once. No. So who was this random man carrying a sleeping little girl? In order to answer this very question, police had someone sit down with Martin and make up a computer composite of this man he saw that night back in 2007. After finishing the sketch, it is released to the media. To this day, the man's identity remains a mystery. Years pass with no progress and Operation Grange becomes scrutinized. Loads of money were spent in the investigation. Some even argue that Operation Grange was doomed from the start because the Metro Police went in very narrow-minded, believing that Madeline was in fact abducted and didn't really explore any other possibilities. Even though I think the possibilities had already been explored. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. An abduction is really all we can do here. Yeah, I mean, because we pretty much ruled the parents out. Totally, because, yeah. You know, there's, there's no way. You can't plan mm-hmm. it that perfectly. Yeah. 
for them to be in on it, it would have had to have been so perfectly mm-hmm. planned that it's just not even yeah possible. But you certainly can watch the family enough exactly and work there and have um access be accessible to mm-hmm. books and computers and whatever. That side of the story is one hundred percent plausible. It definitely is, and it fits in with everything that we've been seeing. Yeah. I mean, it was somebody close to the family, like we thought it would have to be, mm-hmm. but it wasn't the family. Right. Which makes sense. Right. Many in the public were very adamant in their belief that with so many missing children in the world, why keep focusing on this one? And, you know, I'm trying desperately to keep my personal thoughts and opinions out of this discussion, but I don't like these people's attitudes. She's just one of the many. Why are you looking for her? Okay. So, like, what if she was your one? Would you feel differently then? Every single person missing, I wish they would just just keep digging and prodding and poking every little rock possible mm-hmm. to find that missing person, whether it's some rich kid, some poor kid, some whatever kid. Yeah. It doesn't matter, kid, adult, teenager, whatever. None of that matters. That's really what I felt like was really wrong with the people watching this mm-hmm. case. Like, why would you even say that? What yeah. kind of person says that? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's mind-boggling. It is, because you just keep looking for If it's your kid, you look until the day you die. Yeah. You don't stop. I just have a problem with statements like these, but I felt it was necessary to put them in here as well. At this point, with over eight years and $12 million spent in searching, in October of 2015, Metro Police scaled down the Operation Grange from 30 or so people to now a mere four, and funding has been scaled back as well. Regardless of the reduction in size of those searching for Madeline, they have not given up. On March 15, 2019, Netflix released a docuseries entitled The Disappearance of Madeline McCann. The series was successful, but it was not welcomed by the McCann family or the investigators looking into Madeline's case. According to BBC News, in an article, there was a statement released by the McCanns where they said, quote, We are aware that Netflix is planning to screen a documentary in March 2019 about Madeline's disappearance. The production company told us they were making the documentary and asked us to participate. We did not see, and we still do not see, how this program will help the search for Madeline, and particularly given there is an active police investigation, it could potentially hinder it. At first, I didn't understand why they would not want to help, but after the media began to release information, it became increasingly clear why they didn't want to speak in the Netflix docuseries. This news wouldn't be released until closer to Madeline's 16th birthday. On May 12th, Kate McCann will place a sweet 16th birthday gift in Madeline's room as she has every year since her disappearance. However, this year the ritual comes with more hope. Investigators in Portugal and the UK say they are homing in on two of the strongest leads they have found in recent years. In the last episode of Netflix's docuseries on Madeline McCann, investigators revealed a masked predator allegedly carried up to 28 attacks within 40 miles of the resort where Madeline was staying. The lone intruder is alleged to have targeted sleeping children and carried out sex assaults after breaking into their holiday homes. I guess now it makes sense why the McCanns didn't want Netflix airing this information to the public prematurely. Yeah, let's let's tell him we're on to him. Or whoever it is. Exactly. So, detectives have been researching this lead since 2014 when they launched a European-wide hunt for the pedophile. 
who targeted sleeping children of at least 12 British families on holiday in the area and assaulted five of them. The suspect was described as having a pot belly and is believed to have struck twice in prior to lose. The other attacks were at two resorts within an hour's drive of the McCann's apartment. The man spoke in English with a foreign accent, his voice slow or slurred. Now, as recently as 2019, more news has been released on this matter. The first lead involved a more thorough investigation into a German pedophile named Martin Ney. Portuguese authorities have confirmed to a news outlet called the Daily Beast that one of the inmates in Germany was told something that only McCann's kidnapper could have known. Not to be confused with the Martin earlier in the story, full disclosure, these are two different men who just share the same first name. Ney is serving a life sentence in a German prison for the murder of three young boys between 92 and 01. He is also under investigation for the suspected murder of two other children whose bodies have never been found and the sexual abuse of dozens of others. He resembles the photo composite released by Portuguese police based on witness accounts at the time McCann disappeared. But Ney's M.O. was to don a balaclava and sneak into their rooms while they slept when their parents had stepped out. He often sedated children to remove them quietly, according to court documents that led to his conviction. He was working at a homeless center run by an evangelical church in the same area where McCann disappeared while her parents ate at the tapas bar with friends a few hundred feet away from Maddie's bedroom. While there is a degree of credibility, there still has not been a statement declaring any guilty party of taking Madeline that night. Portuguese police say that it is more likely that a second suspect that they are investigating, an alleged accomplice of Ney, will be proven more useful. Information came after a woman who worked at the Ocean Club where Madeline's family stayed watched the infamous Netflix docuseries. This woman recognized a man in the grainy footage. This man is now the second suspect police are looking into. She went on to tell the police that she has seen this man with another man she is sure was Nay. This woman from the resort even claimed to have had a run-in with the unnamed suspect who she says she caught stealing from the Ocean Club resort. When she confronted the man, he threatened her, according to an investigator with the Policia Judiciary in Portugal. Now, police think the new suspect may have been working with Ney as part of a sex trafficking ring that preyed on children in the area at the time. A number of resort employees have given evidence over the years that they recognize both Ney and someone who is now believed to be the second man around the resort. The second man has allegedly been brought in for questioning, at the time that all of this was written, Madeline, if alive, would have been 16 years old. Far too old for the type of pedophile ring that Nay ran. But if she was taken by Nay and the other suspect or their associates, they alone may be able to shed light on what happened to her and give her grieving parents continued hope or the closure they deserve. Hopefully this nightmare the McCants have endured for far too long may finally be coming to an end. As always, if anything happens, we will try to have a quick episode to let you guys know anything that we find out. R-E-L-I-S-H-A In Washington, D.C. alone, more than 2,000 kids will go missing each year. One of those kids is a little girl by the name of Relisha Red. She's been missing for six years now. Her story got minimal coverage. 
but not anymore. I am doing something nobody else has done. I am taking an objective look at her case. I'm speaking with family members. I'm talking to advocates and investigators, and we all have one main goal, and that is to bring Relisha home. Check out the Instagram page at Finding Relisha for updates and also for news of when the show will air for the first time. Thank you for listening to another episode of If I Go Missing. I'm your host, Megan, and I put a lot of thought and hard work into these episodes. I write, edit, and produce them all myself, and it means a lot to me that you guys take the time to listen. If you would like to follow us on social media, our Instagram is at If I Go Missing Podcast. Then we also have our Twitter, and that one is at Megan Noel Pod. If you want to reach out and suggest a case, you can do that on Instagram or Twitter by sending us a DM. We also have a Facebook page called Megan Noel Podcast, and we also have discussion groups for the podcast. And the name of the discussion group is If I Go Missing, a podcast.